This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Rooker, it's a fly ball to deep center. Robert going back at the track. He will turn and watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. Adonis Garcia sends it the other way. That sends Carroll. He's at the wall. And the legend grows. Paul Acuna, another milestone in a truly historic season. Julio with an absolute nuke out to left. It's Glaber Day, and like a good Glaber, Torres is there. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from humidors to stuff plus <laughs> to walk-off dingers. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live, Cactus League edition, as we'll get you ready for... The Athletics and the Padres. Mike Schilt led San Diego Padres, not Bob Melvin led San Diego Padres, as we saw our buddy, our old skipper yesterday with the San Francisco Giants. We'll take a look at a team that may go down as one of the biggest head scratchers in the history of baseball. It was one of the most bizarre seasons if you look at cash and you look at data. It's just, it's, 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 it was bizarre. They were absolutely bizarre. A very hot ending to get them. And we saw the Padres at the very end of Bob Melvin in Oakland. And they just got over 500. But the numbers are crazy. Like the money spent, how good and how bad they were, they should have never been that bad. We'll talk about it. Jesse Agler, play-by-play for the San Diego Padres, will join us. We'll play Know Your Friars with Johnny and Martin Gallegos. We'll get an early look on the battles he's really keying in as Martin Gallegos covers the athletics for MLB.com. Today... We'll continue our repping A's spring training merch. I have on today, you can see the A's on the side of the hat. The Joe Pun, I'm repping Joe Pun today. Friend of the program. Who runs Ho-Ho Camp Park for the Athletics. This is the 10-year anniversary hat they are selling at the stadium. So when you make your way to Arizona, you can buy this hat inside the uh, team store. Hand me that can there. Oh, yeah. We have the, I brought it back. We have the beer. We got the beer, the Ho Ho Come Hazy that uh, you could see right here. Whoops, sorry, big three. You can get this only at the ballpark from 12S Brewing in Mesa. 
great brewery in Mesa. We, Ray and I went to it a few times with some of our uh, coworkers. Um, so you can only get that in Mesa. So yeah, we're we're going full on uh, spring training, repping the merch. I have last year's How is shirt this? on. Believe it or not, Joe gave me a can to try. I took it up to Yauntville over the weekend for my wife's birthday. I never drank it. So it's still sitting in, in the refrigerator at home. So can't, I will try it eventually. Can't cover up my man, Jose. Where are we going to put this? You know, no, I can't cover up Ricky. Can't cut. You know, we'll cover up Chris Davis. That's who we'll cover up. Right? We'll keep it right there. I'll put it back over here. It's a nice can, though. Uh, I well, love the to, whole design. I mean, this was yeah. the uh, designer did this. Yeah, uh, John and our market, our creative director is one to help come up with a logo for it. So uh, kudos to everyone there. John was working hard spring training. Yeah, he was all over the place. Uh, uh, his whole team did a great job with all of our creative designs, the photo shoots, everything that went on there. So kudos to them. I will try it. I had to cut back on the alcohol um, the last like month or so. So when I do drink it, I will let everyone know. I'll give a full review on this program. So, how'd that, how'd that game against the Giants go yesterday? <laughs> Giants only winless team in Cactus League play. <laughs> oh, God. It's going to be a rush. And, they, and their fifth starter, Beck, has a hurt hand. And I found out about this because someone in our PR grew up with him. And Johnny knows him from when he was doing AAA for the Giants. Uh, in Sacramento, and I didn't really think of. We found out because I got back to I got back from Arizona Tuesday night, so I think we found out Tuesday. I didn't think anything of it because we were going to call the game against Stephen Vote and the Cleveland Guardians. I didn't think any of that when Johnny said it, but yeah, a pitcher has already gone down who they're expecting for the San Francisco Giants. We are going to go over every single camp. Going to do it real fast. A burning question for all 30 teams going into this season. We will fly through it. I just got a notification. I haven't read the entire article. I know, though, I've read part of what they've done. They're doing a whole series. CBS is, and and you know what? I got to tell you, I'm going to throw some props out there. CBS Sports, and you you can obviously download their app. They sneaky are really getting good at covering baseball right now. Like everybody has shifted, obviously, so much NFL, and they should. NBA also. That some sports like ESPN has gotten worse covering baseball. And sometimes MLB.com gets a little stale. It's just the same old, same old one player in camp that's going to make a difference. You know, it's just the same. They just regurgitate the same info. I'm telling you right now, and I, I I I get notifications from the app. CBS Sports has gotten a lot better covering baseball. I think they're doing a pretty good job, and they, they've been throwing out a lot of content. And they just threw something out right when we were coming on at 10 o'clock. Right? What time is it? 10.06? Yeah, yeah 10.06. Are we late? No, we've been on for six minutes. Oh. MLB Expansion. Weighing pros and cons as league considers adding at least two teams over the next several years. Now, this won't be until at, I mean, probably the earliest 2030, if not longer, which upsets me because of one man, Dave Stewart. Now, obviously, Dave Stewart is an A's legend. He's an A's Hall of Famer. I've been very fortunate to have now worked a lot of games on television with Dave Stewart. And I've gotten to know Stu real well, because when you sit there 
and you watch baseball with a guy for hours. I mean, hours I've spent with Stu and got to know him as a person, as a man beyond baseball. Stu is a wonderful human being. I mean, there's a reason why this guy won the Roberto Clemente Award. Stu is just really good people. And he has put his heart and soul into expansion with the Nashville Stars. And what we saw in Nashville at the winter meetings when everybody just shows up and everyone goes to Broadway Street and everybody sees how Nashville is one of the fastest growing cities, it is clearly the top spot they are going to expand. Stu knows it, right? Stu's got his group together. They've got the $2 billion in the bank. I don't want to get too much into his business, but they are ready. they're ready to go today. They'd be like, here's the money. Let's go build the stadium. They're ready. I am shocked, and we said this while we were there. I am shocked that Nashville doesn't have a team right now. It seems ridiculous. We went to a Titans game. They've got the Predators there, the NHL. They've already had minor league baseball. It is not a minor league town. It is big league. Oh, we re- I ran into, speaking of NBC, a lot of you remember Jim Cozumore, who did television for years. I've known Coz ever since his days back at KHTK up in Sacramento. Jim Cozumore basically went with his family. They moved to Nashville. He came by and saw us at the winter meetings. And Jim Cozumore's wife's in real estate. She's dealing basically people moving from California. They moved from California to Nashville, and now as a realtor, she's got so many people. She's like red hot right now taking on people from California who want to move to Nashville. She's specializing in that. I mean, this city is red hot, so fast, growing so fast. Nashville's getting a team. Then the question is, where do they go on the West Coast? And what 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 I don't get, and I don't understand how baseball people don't understand this, and we, we just dealt with this with the rule changes, how well the rule changes change for the game. Like, everything worked out great. Whenever you do change and growth, it scares the hell out of baseball people. And this article that's come out on CBS Sports is a pros and con for expansion. I've read the art, the original. They've like expanded onto the article and they've sent it back out, but I already know what the majority of it talks about. And all the pros are like no brainers, right? The cons, there's only one con that I agree with. But when they start worrying about expansion, they worry about extra playoffs. You know how we feel about extra playoffs. You can't tell me extra playoffs has hurt anybody. As much as baseball traditionalists hate it, I mean, baseball traditionalists hate everything that we've seen grow the game. They hate it in their league play. How'd that work out? That's pretty successful. Well, now everyone plays everyone, but it was when they were doing it. Right. You got to see Otani if you were a fan of the Mets or the Pirates. Or did the we survive a universal DH? I think the league's better for it, but yes, we did. We survived it. Extra playoffs? How is that bad? How is it ever bad? You know, because it's like, well, you know, you're going to get teams in there like the Diamondbacks won 84 games. By the way, we as fans like to think our team has a chance. 
it just helps in August and September when the NFL is starting and they go to training camp and we have preseason football. Well, it's good for a lot of towns in Major League Baseball to think they still got a chance. Yeah, I know you liked it back in the day when there's just one winner of, I mean, not that many people still remember, but there are people who do remember when there was just a winner of the American League and a winner of the National League and they played in the World Series. I remember when there was, when there was presidents of leagues. Do you remember that? That's how far I go back. I'm just kidding. There's yeah. No... <laughs> Folks, there used to be a commissioner and then there was a president of the National League and a president of the American League. I mean, what? They were completely two different leagues. There was American League umpires and there was National League umpires. What? Crazy. Wild card. That's horrible for baseball. Has it been horrible for baseball? Whenever you expand your postseason and more people have an opportunity, it's never bad. It wasn't bad for the NCAA tournament. It hasn't been bad for the NFL, or the NBA, or the NHL. It hasn't been bad for anybody. Apparently, there was, I think I saw yesterday they're looking at doing maybe 14 teams for the college football playoff now. Did, what, you're not going to watch? You're not going to watch college football at the after January 1? Unless our Spartans are in the national title game. I'm not watching. I mean, seriously. What, no one's watching college football? <laughs> Guess what? 93. Two years ago, I know this for sure, 93 of the top 100 television broadcasts in the United States of America, 93 of 100 were NFL games. Not American Idol, not whatever, Dancing with the Stars, not the Grant, not the Oscars or the Grammys. 93 of the top 100 television broadcasts in the United States of America were NFL games. And then also rounding out that 100 was the national championship game. I mean, it was <laughs> playoffs work. The one thing I do agree, though, but you just have to swallow it, is there's not enough pitching. There's not enough pitching with 30 teams, let alone 32. There's not enough, to, there's not enough pitching if we had 26 teams. It's an epidemic, which we're going to talk about. Who's our first guest? Martin. At, at 10.30? 10.30, yeah. That's the only con I agree with. All the other cons I, I just see as absolutely ridiculous. This will be a boon for baseball. Attendance was up last year. Television ratings were up last year in baseball. Baseball's making money. Only four teams went down in attendance. We're not one of them. And one of them's a joke. It was the Dodgers down. Dodgers, $3.8 million. They were down 20000 Yeah. Well, who was it? It was Dodgers, Cardinals, Nats, and White Southsiders. White Sox. Where do they play again? Well, they're gonna be proposing to play more on the north side, I believe. Right? Wouldn't that be going north if they're oh, gonna be close yeah. to Soldier Field? Yeah, that well, that ruins the whole bit then on the They'd be the North Siders. So we'd have two North Siders in Chicago. Oh. Yeah, if you haven't been reading it, Jerry Reinsdorf. Because, obviously, I stay away from all the stuff going on with the A's. We focus what's on the field. The White Sox want, like, $1.7 billion from the state and the city to build a – there's some rail – I mean, I've been to Chicago. Awesome city. If you're there when it's not freezing cold or steaming hot, Chicago is one of the great cities in our country. Uh, the people are phenomenal. It's a major city. It's, it's – the best way to sh- describe Chicago – 
is that it's a major city with cool people in it. I haven't been to Chicago yet. It's on my list. It's um, Wrigley's up there for me. They're Midwest. They're Midwest nice in a major city, far different from like New York, Boston, Philly. Love those cities too, but it's a different feel. Great food, great people. Chicago's awesome. So what they want to do is there's some rail yard, something near Soldier Field and the uh, Michigan Avenue, which is the great shopping and the great long street in uh, Chicago. So hope for the White Sox as, as you know, they want to get out of the South side because the South side is really bad. Someone was shot inside the ballpark last year while we were playing the White Sox. They were going to do a, like, was it Tone Loke? No, maybe it wasn't Tone Loke. They were having a, it was a concert that they were going to have after the mm-hmm. game. It was old school guys from like the 80s and 90s. Is Tone Loke still alive, by the way? Uh, I'll look up the concert while you. Uh... Funky Cole Medina, the great Tone Loke. What was the con? Can't remember who the who was the concert because I remember it was all people like from when I was in high school and college. Uh, I'm gonna look this up. Uh, see if it talks about the concert in this article. Now it's just talking about the ads. I'm not looking it up. Sorry. Uh, but what was it, Tone Loke? You want to see if he's alive? Is Tone Loke still alive? Funky Cole Medina. Yes, 57 years old. The great Tone Loke. So I think it was like Tone Loke and somebody else. But, yeah, they won out. I was, if you follow news, the south side of Chicago has gotten worse, and it's rough. But, yeah, I don't see, like, any of the cons. They worry about their, their con is they – Offensive environment. They worry about stats. Vanilla Ice, Rob Base, and Tone Loke. Vanilla Rob Base. Vanilla Ice. Hey. Wow. Dun, 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 dun. No, it's it's different than Queen. Dun, 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 dun. Yes. Hey, remember that interview yeah. where he tried to explain, like, how's your beat different from Queen with David Bowie? Dun, 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 under pressure. And he goes, oh, no, it's different. Dun, dun, dun. Like, no, dude. Hey, it's okay. You ripped it off. It's okay. <laughs> Vanilla Ice. Do you remember Vanilla Ice? Yes. Do you remember when how big he was? Well, I was very little, but yeah. I remember that he took he was over a... the, the world with his music, with his one song. We were dancing baby. to it. Clubs downtown San Jose. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. That was part of my life. <laughs> so they're worried to... about the offensive environment. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about postseason. And then this is the one I love. They're worried about potential division rivalries being screwed up. Because what's going to happen is when they expand, they've got to remake everything. And I'm looking at this going, are you kidding me? We need to redo the whole baseball map. Football did it years ago. Did it survive? Yes. You Niner fans out there. Not bang, bang, Niner gang, you new guys. I'm talking about you old school Niner fans. Let's go back to the Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, in, even into the Seifert, Mariucci. The San Francisco 49ers used to be in the same division as the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. What? Have you ever looked at a map? San Francisco, remember they were the L.A. Rams back then also. John Robinson, Jim Everett, and the great Eric Dickerson. So here you're on the West Coast, you got the Rams, you got you got you got the uh, San Francisco 49ers flying all the way to the East Coast to take on the Atlanta Falcons. What? 
Football did away with that. The Seahawks, the Sea Chickens, as I like to call them, they used to be in our division, the AFC West. Jim Zorn. Remember the lefty Jim Zorn, Steve Largent, Kenny Easley, Kurt Warner, the great Seahawks back in the kingdom. They used to be in the AFC West. I mean, football figured out, went, wait a minute, this isn't right. We need to redo all this. Well, they redid all of it, and it worked. We should not be in a division with Texas teams. That's flat out. We've got a team that, as of right now, is right across the bay from us. Why are we not playing them? It's ridiculous. You've got these two teams, you got three teams in the same state that are an hour to an hour. I've never flown, I've only flown San Jose down to all the LA and San Diego. I mean, Oakland's not, can't be that much more. But how long does it take to fly from Oakland to play LAX or to fly into John Wayne to take the take on the Dodgers, the Angels, or fly into San Diego to take on the Padres. How the hell are we all not in the same division? It's ridiculous. But we're in a division with teams in Texas that are over three hours away on a flight? That's a joke. We need, I mean, baseball people need to understand we need to redo the divisions. And I'm sorry with your rivalries. Who really has rivalries? I mean, you take, I mean, you're not going to get rid of Red Sox, Yankees. That's all they care about anyway. You're not going to get rid of Cubs, Cardinals. You're not going to get rid of Giants, Dodgers. Other than that, what are the rivalries in baseball that we're, we're so worried about hanging on to? Braves, Marlins. (laughs) Hey, hey, when the Royals and White Sox get together. (laughs) (laughs) Royals Brewers. I mean, what are you worried about? I mean, finally, we're getting something with the two Texas teams. Good for them. Play in the Central. They should be in the Central. Some type of Central. I mean, the West could be fascinating. Mariners, A's, Giants, Dodgers, Padres. If we got to lump in the Mariner, uh, the the D-backs, fine. Angels. Angels. I forgot about it. They still play? Yeah. Well, they don't have a Tommy, but that's okay. By the way, I was I you know kind of doing all my preview stuff. Like, how can you even think the Angels are going to be anything this year? They're terrible. They're going to be terrible. Sounded a lot of relievers though. <laughs> They're going to be terrible. Anthony Rendon doesn't want to play half the games. Artie Moreno is not leaving. He's now saying he's there for the long haul. Good luck, Wash. I do not like the way we're treating Mike Trout, though. This whole thing, Trout's got to get out. You know what? There's something to be said about I'm going to play my I'm going to play my entire career for one organization. And there's been plenty of guys who have gone through good. When you play for an organization, not everybody's going to be Derek Jeter. Okay, let's just throw it out there. Derek Jeter has one of the luckiest careers in the history of baseball. He was drafted by a team that was about to embark on one of the great runs in a sport. So he got to play his entire career in the playoffs. That is a rarity. So you think of guys in recent memories, whether it's Cal Ripken Jr. or it's Kirby Puckett or it's Tony Gwynn or whoever plays their entire career with one organization, you are not going to be in the playoffs every year, and you will hit some lean years. 
there's something to be said that when it's all said and done, your career, I mean, wouldn't we have loved to have had Ricky Henderson through the good, the bad, the his entire career instead of playing for what nine teams? Sounds about right. Not eight, nine teams. Yeah. I mean, you think of you think of Ricky Henderson as a great Mariner. I think of him as a great Red Sox. You might the Dodger, Padre. I remember was a, I remember when he was Met. when he was a great Met. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna play through some lean years. But there's something to be said when you play your entire career and what you mean to generations of fans, and that someday they put that big statue up of you. There's that, that that means something. So I'm all for Trout saying, hey, listen, I made the commitment. I'm not going anywhere. We will delve into Trout here in just a little bit. But getting back to expansion, I other than, yeah, I get it. Offense will go up because pitching will be bad. I don't I, I have no problem redoing the map of baseball, redoing the divisions. It will help. It, it will help. Us. Our franchise, West Coast Baseball. Because when you look at East Coast Baseball, they have no travel. You think the travel is tough from Boston to Toronto or New York to Toronto or New York to Baltimore? I mean, that division, the only, the, the rough flight they have is to Tampa in division. They don't log the miles that we log. We log crazy miles as West Coast teams. No one flies more than the Mariners. Then you start throwing in the A's and the Giants, and the, we all fly way more than they do. That is a competitive advantage. The fact that their travel is not as bad. Midwest teams all playing each other. I mean, you think about Chicago. When you're playing in a division that has St. Louis, Milwaukee, these are all quick trips. These are quick. Pittsburgh, they're quick trips. Yes, Midwest Pittsburgh. You're not from the East Coast. You're from the Midwest. Blue collar. Flyover state. <laughs> but yet, so it's like, the, I, wouldn't you welcome that? Wouldn't it be great to tee it up against the Giants and the Dodgers way more versus the Astros and the Rangers? Wouldn't you enjoy that as an A's fan? Yeah, I, th- I would I would like to see the Dodgers and Giants more for sure. I mean, especially now with the Dodgers with Otani and all the players they have there. It'd be much more. I mean, yeah, the Rangers won the World Series and so did the Astros recently. I mean, they're two pretty good teams. But, but we have no connect. We yeah. hate we. OK, we hate the Astros, but that. That has nothing to do with the city of Houston. The Astros were in the National League until like 10 years ago. The Astros and the Reds and the Braves used to be in the National League West. What says West about Atlanta? (laughs) And Cincinnati was in the West. I mean, it's ridiculous. We've changed a little bit, but we really need to change this. That would be great for our future. But getting back to Houston, we hate the Astros, but it has nothing to do with Houston. It has nothing with geography. We hate them because they're dirtbags. Because they're an evil organization. They got evil people running that thing. And they have for a long time, and it starts at the top with Jim Crane. But what, what, what Texas? There's We've been playing in the same division for how long with Texas? Has there ever been a rivalry? Don't forget, the Chicago White Sox and the Royals used to be in the AL West. There's no rivalries. Rivalries that, that we, we could create rivalries. You don't want to see Shohei Otani and Yamamoto for the next X amount of years with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman playing against the A's? Giants and A's works. We know that. Play the Giants. Play the A's. Rivalry. It, it works. 
Don't you want to see Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts age horribly in San Diego? <laughs> That's going to be a train wreck. But, I mean, at least look at all the people from the Bay Area who live in Southern California. Look at all the people who grew up in Southern California who now live in the Bay Area. I'm one of them. You have like you have the rivalries, right? You have the you have people that want it, it. It could emerge into great rivalries. We have great history with the Dodgers. Played them in two different World Series. It would be a boom for baseball, especially on the West Coast, to ditch. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a Giants fan. You're not a Giants fan. But do Giants fans really still need to see the Colorado Rockies in division? The Rockies, the Rock Pile. Beautiful ballpark, but yeah, beautiful ballpark. I don't I don't think you really need to see them. Uh, well, thirteen times. And I'm now. not a Rocky hater. <laughs> if they're good, I mean, it's, it's if hard. that could, I hate the Broncos. I hate the Broncos more than anything. Well, it's hard to hate the Rockies. They haven't, unfortunately, they haven't won anything. But it's just they're 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 in Denver. That's not West Coast. They should be playing in some type of Central. Yeah, with the with the Astros and Rangers. Yeah, Rockies come to town, do nothing for anybody. And you could develop a true, I mean, if you're a Giants fan, you don't think it would have been cool back in the day to see Griffey, A-Rod, and the big unit and Edgar Martinez come to town? Ichiro? That's like something out of Star Wars. Expansion and redoing the map of baseball and redoing the divisions. I don't see any con other than we don't have enough pitching. And that is some, you know what I forgot? I forgot to text that. Cody sent me an article from Fox Sports last night, and I was going to text Scott Emerson to get his opinion. Um, oh, I actually have a power cord right here. Oh, wow. Wow. I was like, I left my power cord in Arizona, so it's being shipped to me right now as we speak. Um, I was going to, because the great Marty Lurie, oh, wasn't that, wasn't that special yesterday? Wasn't that, wasn't, that, wasn't that just incredible? I had, having, some, I had some people text me telling me they enjoyed it. Having Marty Lurie and Ken Korak together. I mean, two broadcasting. They are legends in the Bay Area. They're both San Francisco Radio Hall of Famers. And when you think Marty Lurie, I, pound for pound, Marty Lurie is the best baseball historian I've ever known. I mean, Marty has read all the books about the Pacific Coast League. Marty, Marty, Florida, New York, grew up with the New York teams. I mean, pound for pound, Marty Lurie is the greatest I've ever known baseball historian. I'm surprised he's never applied to be the official historian of Major League Baseball. I think it's John Thorne is who it is now. Yeah, he's been uh, he, he's been around a long yeah, time. Yeah, so I'm surprised Marty never... So there, is a, there is an official title, baseball historian. You can have like the, the yeah, title. It's John. Let me see. I'll look if I can find his official. He's old, by the way. John Thorne. He's been around forever. Um. Yeah. The official uh, historian for Major League Baseball. He's not that old. He's 76. I mean, it's old, but he's not that old. So, I mean, but yeah, around here, Marty, no question is. The okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. There's the guy. I have a new Mexican spot in downtown Mesa that Johnny Johnny D and I found because there's a trend in the restaurant business now. You might notice it where you live, but there's a trend in the restaurant business where restaurants close on Monday and sometimes Monday and Tuesday. And the reason why they do that is because you end up saving money on what you're paying employees and your food cost by not being open on those days. Because you say, well, aren't you losing money not being open? They found out you actually save money by not being open Mondays and sometimes Mondays and Tuesdays. So that's why you don't see some restaurants. And by the way, is minimum wage, you know, minimum wage is about to go up to $20 an hour for fast food workers in L.A. Oh, my God. It's going to be people getting laid off like you wouldn't believe. But um, downtown Mesa, Johnny D and I went looking for a bite to eat. And a lot of the places were closed except Mango's. I want to see if a man who spends a lot of time in Mesa, Arizona, and he's always on a quest to find a great burrito. If Martin Gallegos, who covers our team better than anybody on MLB.com, has been to Mango's in family-owned, they do not sell alcohol, because not that long ago, downtown Mesa, Arizona, was dry. You could not serve alcohol in downtown Mesa. Martin Gallegos from the ballpark. Do you know of the restaurant that Johnny D and I just discovered? I don't. I, I'm going to have to write that one down and check it out. I have, I have not been to Mango's, no. It was very good. And so you know where the Delta Hotel, the Marriott is, right? Just right off yeah, downtown yeah. where we where some of us stay. It is like three minutes. It's right there in downtown Mesa. And then they've got other places that are opening up. You know, people like Cody and then all the other big league guys with the A's, they all hang out in Scottsdale. They're all bougie. Some of us are grinders in old school. We hang out in downtown Mesa. So we're starting to find spots in downtown Mesa to give our fans when they come to spring training. Yeah, no, actually, uh, I've been down there a couple times this spring. Uh, downtown Mesa, it seems like they're trying to go through a little, a little bit of a resurgence here. They put oh, some breweries yeah. out there. Uh, downtown, you know, there's a little convention center over there where they have some concerts. It's a good time out there. I think it's definitely underrated. I mean, I know we're close to Tempe and, and Scottsdale. And those are the spots that everyone wants to hit, but uh, Mesa's not bad. I, there, I've definitely, it's not, you know, it's not Scottsdale. You know, you're not going to have that level of uh, um, elegance, I guess, but it's it's an, it's not a bad spot to go and, and get a bite to eat or, or get a drink out there. Yeah, for us, for us blue collar grinders. <laughs> We don't go to Mesa. We're hang- I mean, we don't go to Scottsdale. We hang out in Mesa, unlike you super bougie people, as they, as the kids like to say, Cody. Uh, Martin, a good spot in Scottsdale, though, is uh, Los Olivos. Uh, Steve Vucinich's recommendation. We go there every year we're in Scottsdale. So. And right next to it, the mission's also very good. Yes. All right. So, um, and, and you know what? I we, we sent Road Trip Mike. I don't know if you know Road Trip Mike, but he's one of my great callers. Road Trip Mike we sent to this place. He loved it. And as Johnny and I were doing the broadcast, 
from Goodyear. We mentioned the restaurant. I guess some A's fans showed up there. I think that might be something, Martin, next year. What we'll do is we should start doing a whole food thing and really because the A's, we need to get better with our crowds in Mesa and, and really because that's what the Cubs owned it for so long because we were talking to the guy who owns this restaurant. So we need to get the A's fans pumping in Mesa, Arizona. That's our goal next year. Spring training is to make it is to take over downtown Mesa. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll do a whole uh, food review. We'll, we'll review different places down there. There's a lot of spots for sure. I, I'd like to, there's more that I'd like to try that I haven't been able to really check out yet, but there's still time. So I'll, I'll go check them out. I'm going to get you a bunch of, I'm going to get you a bunch of free food and booze. That's what I'm going to do for you. My friend. I'll take it. I'll take right. it. Now. Biggest battle or the battle in spring training that you're most interested in. Well, I think uh third base is just so up in the air that, um, you know, it could really be anybody, um, you know, and Aletimus Diaz, we just found out has a groin strain. You don't know how severe that is, but, um, you know, he was part of that mix. Uh, Jordan Diaz got some time last year. Um, didn't do that great. It was kind of up and down for him. He had some highlights like that Yankee Stadium three homer game, but pretty inconsistent. We're seeing Daryl Hernandez get some time at third base and um, it seems like they like him over there. Uh, so he's going to get a really strong look there, but. I mean, I'd say in terms of, you know, the rotation, the fifth spot also is, is an intriguing one. There's a lot of names there, but third base is just, I don't think anybody really knows how that's going to play out right now. I don't think there's anybody kind of in the lead for that spot at this moment. Yeah, I know a lot of people still like Brett Harris. They think that uh, he could be a traditional type third baseman. Hernays intrigues the heck out of me. Got to see him when the ball club was over in Camelback Ranch against the Dodgers, then got to see him again uh, over a good year. And I'm very impressed with his athleticism. And if he is to play third and Nick Allen plays short, do you kind of get the sense? Because we all know Matt Chapman really is a shortstop who got moved to third base. He moves like a shortstop. He's got the athleticism, the feet of a shortstop. And if we remember back how great the left side was Simeon and Chapman, I'm not saying we can resurrect that and have that again, but Something similar defensively when you look at terrific athletes. If you had Hernays play third, talk about the athleticism you'd have on the left side of Nick Allen and Hernays patrolling the left side. Yeah, definitely. I think um, both those guys, you mentioned are very athletic. Um, they really, you know, Eric Martin's infield coach has been working really hard with Hernays over there at third base. They like how he's looking there. They liked how he evolved as a shortstop last year. It seemed like he really took a step forward in the minors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, on this team, I mean, Defense is going to be super important, uh, you know, for the pitching staff to be able to get as many outs as they can, um, relying on their on their defense and uh, to have a strong left side of the infield. I think if you were to look at the guys in camp right now and kind of plot out, you know, what's our strongest left side of the infield? You know, Brett Harris is a really good defender as well, but um, he might be, you know, being a non-roster guy, it might be a little tough for him to break camp. But Hernandez already on the 40 man. I think of the 40 man guys, those are probably your two best defenders on the left side for sure. You know, when I think about Jordan Diaz, I brought this up the other day because on the broadcast they were talking about how he's young. And I go, yeah, his birth certificate says he, he's young, but his baseball years don't say that. He's been he's been a pro since he was 16. He's had an extreme amount of at-bats. He's had 2,400 at-bats from the time he was 16. He's had a whole bunch of of international at-bats, but he's had a whole bunch of minor league at-bats. He's now had a lot of big league at-bats. They always say 1,500 at-bats. You got to be ready to rock. He's at 2,400. 
I, I just I wonder. Yes, he's 23 years old. The birth certificate says he uh, he's young. Just where do you weigh in on that? These guys who signed internationally and they play a whole heck of a lot. And at some point you have to go, man, I mean, how many at bats are you going to give them before you call them young? 3000 at bats. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It is tough. It, he is getting to that point where you kind of have to see it. Um, you know, last year, I mean, he's always hitting the minors like at every level. Right. There's nothing else to prove there for him. It's not like, you know, he needs any more seasoning. Um, it's just about doing it at the major league level. I mean, we've seen, you know, cases like this on the A's before. I think back to a guy like Franklin Barreto, you know, who had all that potential and then um, he would hit at every level and just didn't get it done at the at the major league level. Um, Jordan Diaz, you know. I don't think he's gotten a, an ex, true extended look. He got a lot of time last year. I think that was probably his, his, the longest look that he got at third base, but there's still was a few other guys in that mix as well, like Jonah Bride, Kevin Smith, Ledimus getting some times over there. So, um, you know, I think this spring is important for him. I mean, defensively, he's, you know, definitely a step behind from his offense. I mean, if he's going to make the majors, it's going to be because of his bat. So I think he's going to have to really prove the spring, like really stand out with the bat if he wants to make this team. I mean, if it's down to, say, him and like Daryl Hernandez. And they're both hitting, you know, similarly. I think you got to go with Hernandez just because his defense is so much better. But, um, you know, there's a lot of potential there uh, with Jordan, but uh, he's got to prove it at the major level. I mean, there's nothing, nothing else to say about that. Well, I'll go on record right now and said if Jordan Diaz was good defensively, he would be one of those players where I would say you got to play him every day and give him an opportunity. Because yes, I want to see if that bat can play. Because I'm cool if I know where the, the team's not going to win a lot of games. I'm cool, and I said it last year, you got to find guys for the future. And that's these at-bats and these innings are key now to see if these guys can play. I would be cool with saying, Jordan Diaz, you're the starting third baseman. I'm throwing you into the deep end of the pool. you got to rock. But as you just said, he's not good defensively. He's not great athletically. He doesn't run real well. That's part of the problem. Like, if he was good defensively, I would be cool with just saying, right now, you're my third baseman. Go get it. Taking the pressure off off you. You know you're in the lineup every day. But when you're bad defensively, you can't do that. Yeah, and last year, you know, obviously they worked really hard on trying to improve his defense. And there was a stretch where it looked like he looked a little better at third. But then it seemed like he kind of regressed, and then it got bad again. And, um you know, again, like I said, we said on this team, you need to have you need to have a strong infield defense. Um, you know, you're not going to be blowing teams out. You're not to you know play sound defense, get good pitching. And um, Jordan Diaz at third right now, just you know he hasn't had a, a, a ton of looks at spring this year. I, I can't you know give like a good assessment on if he's improved or not. Um, that'd be something to probably ask uh, Eric Martins. I'll probably go to him at some point see how he's looking there. But um, definitely last year, how he looked at the end of the year, it was clear that they, he needed to make some improvements. You know, with the glove. Um, you know, if he's going to have a chance to really solidify himself as a major leaguer. All right. This works for a lot of different players. Mitch Spence threw at Ho-Ho Cam, and I try and tell people how spring training works. They allow us to go down and talk to pitchers after they get done. So you, John Shea, our national baseball writer for the Chronicle, and myself, we all went down to talk to Mitch Spence. And you guys were talking to him about the stuff that you needed for your article. And then I just asked him, you know, about the Rule 5 stuff. And he said something very poignant. I want to make it tough on the front office. I want to. I want them to have to make a tough decision. And I was like, yes, that's what I want to hear. There's so many guys. 
I think of J.J. Blade. I think of Lawrence Butler. I think of Joey Estes. I, there's all these different players that, you know, can they make the team? Will they not make the team? Obviously, being a Rule 5 guy for Mitch Spence is a lot different. But don't you like hearing that from these young guys going, I want to make it tough on David Force and everybody else, the same way Brent Rooker did to them last year? Yeah, definitely. I think um... – you know, if they're not feeling that way, I think there's there's a problem, you know, because there's so much competition here um, for, like we said, multiple spots, whether it's in the rotation or at third base. And I think you got to have the mentality of, hey, you know, I'm going to go out there and try to take it. I'm not just going to you know, show up here and be happy to be here. There's there's a legitimate chance here that you probably are not going to get with most other teams in spring. You know, a lot of other teams have these rosters pretty much set and they're kind of the young guys that they have in camp are kind of just here to get a look and then they're going to start the year at the minors. These guys. I mean, there's so many young guys here who could potentially make this team out of spring training, um, you know, based on performance. Performance is going to matter a lot in the spring. There, there are more more set positions this year than last year, obviously, but um, there's definitely still a chance for a lot of these guys who are in big league camp who maybe um, you didn't think, uh, you know, last year would would have a chance or, or in you know spring training and they're going to get a chance if they perform in the Cactus League. They could make this team. There's no, it's not out of the question that any of these guys could make it. Tyler Soderstrom, I mean, to be fair, recently in a game, he struggled defensively. He really struggled defensively. Um, obviously, he's trying to figure it out. We we know he's an elite, hopefully elite, an elite bat someday. What do you think is going to happen with Tyler to start the season? I think they're, I think they're, the plan right now is for him to be the backup catcher. Um, I think it seems like based on the amount of uh, you know reps he's getting in these games. It's him and Shea. Obviously, Shea is the everyday guy. But, you know, there's an opportunity for Tyler to get a lot of at-bats there, being left-handed bat. You could, I guess, somewhat platoon it. I don't know if it would be a straight platoon, but, um, you know, you could also get him in at DH and, and get him some at-bats there. But, um, you know, that game, you know, you mentioned that game against, I think it was against the Dodgers. It wasn't, it wasn't great behind the plate. You know, he had some, some struggles there, and it kind of looked like last spring training when he was getting some reps back there. And then he obviously started out the year at the, at the minors. Um, he did seem to get better as the year went along, it, it sounded like. And then they came into this camp, you know, feeling really confident about his, his you know, defense, how it's grown behind the plate. You know, we asked Kotze, you know, are you comfortable just starting the year with him as your backup catcher? He said, yeah. I mean, we, since last year when he came up and we saw what he did uh, working with the pitchers and over that last month or so, uh, we, you know, were fully confident that he could do this at the major league level and, and on a consistent basis. So, doesn't sound like there's any, you know, position changes for him or anything. I think a lot of people, you know, thought for a long time that this guy's going to move off catcher eventually to first base or maybe another spot. But I don't see any, you know, he hasn't gotten any reps at first base that I've seen. It's been straight catcher. So I think the plan for him is to enter the season as their backup catcher. I think he's definitely the leading candidate to be the backup to Shea. Yeah, Ryan Noda kind of changed all of that. <laughs> Once Ryan Noda started getting on base and playing good D, all the talk about Sotis from playing first base just went out the door. So how they handle him. And at some point, you know, he's still, he is still young. You want him to get a lot of at bats, uh, going to the bullpen, Mason Miller, obviously we keep hearing about backfields and controlled yeah. situations and everything. Um, obviously they're going to have kid gloves with him, bringing him along. If I was to ask you a question, the guy that's going to get a lot of the save opportunities and his name is not Mason Miller. Who would you pick? That's a tough one. Not, if it's not Mason Miller, 
I would think Danny Jimenez would get the first crack at it. Um, I think they, you know, they liked him in that position where when they had him in there a couple of years ago. The one thing with him is, you know, you kind of always have to assume he's going to get hurt because the last few years he has been getting hurt a lot. And that's kind of been his one thing. He goes into the season, you know, looking pretty good. And then all of a sudden, you know, he has some type of issue that, that caused him to land on the IL. But I would think he would get the chance. I mean, Trevor Gott is always the guy that they throw in the mix there. Um, I would have thought Lucas Ursig, just based on what he did last year, might get a, a, a chance there. His name hasn't really come up in that closer mix, but he definitely has the stuff to do it. Uh, I think he's only pitched in one game so far this spring. He looked good. The velocity looked good, but, you know, he'll get more chances. But I think you you want to have a guy who can, you know, throw hard back there, obviously. I mean, I mean, I think that's without question. Um, just comes down to command. I think, but Mason Miller is like, if you get that guy's velocity with the command that he has, I mean, it's pretty much a no-brainer if you to try to make him the closer. But again, also, I think he's going to make his Cactus League debut tomorrow. I think and surprise. So, um, you know, the injuries are always a concern with him until he proves it for a full year that he can stay healthy. Yeah, because let's just say back to back. I mean, I don't know if we're going to really see Mason Miller at least early in the season. Let's say the A's have two wins and two games they need to close out. I don't know if we're going to see back-to-back. There's no way he's going to go three days in a row. So someone's going to have to step up and be that guy. Uh, I am intrigued. Like, like it's like, release the Kraken. I want to see. I mean, how bad? I want to see what this looks like. I want to see 102, 103, nasty slider, because that's all he's going to need. I mean, aren't you really looking forward to see what it looks like, Mason Miller coming out of the bullpen? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you saw him last year in the starts. He was hitting 102, 103, and then you wonder, like, if he's going one-inning stints, is, is that, like, is the Vito going to go up even more? I mean, what's, what's he going to throw? Like, in one inning, knowing he's only going to go out there for one inning, he's just going to rev it up? I mean, um, it's it's always fun to watch him. I mean, and you just you, – you hope, you hope that he can stay healthy, and that's always – you know, I don't know if that's ever going to not be a concern with him. It's just the, the way he is, but, um, you know – he can, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he turns into a dominant closer. He has the stuff for it. It's just about staying healthy. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him pitch just this spring and seeing kind of how he, how he handles knowing that he's going to be a reliever and not kind of building himself up as a starter. Well, I screwed up when I interviewed him. So we had him. He was one of our first interviews that we had when we arrived down there in Mesa. And I forgot to ask him, and maybe you can find this out, Every closer's got to have some type of theme song coming in. You got to be rocking the whole deal. Like, we got to find out. See if you can find out if if he's even thought about. You know, you're coming in to close this thing out. It's got to be a production. You got to have a song. Oh, yeah. yeah, you got to have the lights going and everything. It's, it's got to be a whole thing. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll ask him. I'll ask him what song he's thinking about. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he's thought about it. all these. All these guys, they might not tell you they're thinking about it, but they think about that stuff. Oh, of course he's thinking <laughs> about it. Are you kidding me? Everybody, all these young guys are thinking about this stuff. They think about their walk-up songs. He's got to yeah. be thinking about it. Yeah, for sure. That, that'll that'll probably be a, a at some point in the spring story. Mason Miller's closer song. That that'll be one of the it's on the list for sure. So I was there when we were all talking to Katze before the game, and he missed it, mentioned Ross Stripling in the nail. And everybody kind of looked around and went, really, here we go again. Because of Paul Blackburn in the nail. Can we get somebody to, to do pedicures? <laughs> I mean, what, what do we need to do to fix Oakland A's pitcher's nails? Yeah, it is weird. It is weird the amount of uh, finger issues, fingernail issues that have been, you know, 
surrounding this team. Seems like every spring, some guy has it. Yeah. Finger. We're talking guys can't play because <laughs> of fingernails. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but uh, he did. He did. I did ask him about it this morning. He said stripling through. I believe in a sim game yesterday, and everything went fine. So I think they're just kind of mapping out where where he's gonna you know pitch an actual cactus league game. I think he said in three days or so. He wasn't sure of the schedule, so we'll probably have more information on that you know post game or tomorrow. But it sounds like he's fine. It, it sounds like it wasn't a, a big issue, which is a relief because we saw with Blackburn last year, we thought it was a minor issue, and then it ended up costing them over many months until he actually came back to the team. So. As of right now, it doesn't seem like it's it's on that level, which is good. All right, so let's just say everything works out great. Normally it doesn't. That's just what happens. We're dealing with human beings. Guys get hurt. Things happen. But let's just say it all works out, and all of a sudden, you know, you got J.P. Sears, who's emerged as a guy that you think can give you 30 starts again. Paul Blackburn's finally healthy. You got Wood. You got Stripling. Well, that's four. Over here, as you mentioned earlier, the number five spot, you know, with Boyle and Estes and Medina. And, I mean, it, it's like a for the first time, the A's got a nice problem that they got a lot of starters. Fran Reardon's going to have a pretty good staff down there with the Las Vegas Aviators. Who do you think – I mean, it's still early to tell. I get it. But who do you think probably will be that number five guy? And then and then just talk about the guys waiting in the wings. There's There, that, there is a – there's a there let's just say depth for the first time in a while yeah i mean coming in i said joe boyle uh he came out that first outing and looked phenomenal and so he's gonna pitch again today so i would still stick with joe boyle as as my pick for the number five guy but luis medina is coming in with a really good mentality Uh, yeah we talked to him yesterday and and he's just it seemed like he really focused this offseason uh he hired a nutritionist he was he was on a really good uh program out there in the Dominican Republic and um, you know he came in looking in really good shape stronger uh, kind of setting up for the durability that it takes for a full season Kotze mentioned him early on in his bullpens that his command looked a lot better than it did last year yesterday he did I think he walked a guy but he, he looked good his fastball is up to 10 I think 101 he touched a couple times so he's intriguing as well I mean th- that thing's still going to play out for a while but I think Luis Medina has that mentality that this team really likes I know Kotze really likes him and the thing with him is he's actually out of minor league options, so he's got to make this team. Um, Kotze did say that he could be a reliever if he doesn't make it out of the bullpen. Um, and, you know, like you said, they're going to need more than five starters. I mean, they're not going to get through a full season with, with just five guys. But I would think Medina has to make this team because if he gets, you know, on waiver, he's going to get snatched up in a second. Um, but I would say Boyle right now. I think with Joey Estes, he looked really good in his last outing. He's going to pitch again today. Um, he's He's got a really competitive mindset as well. I think just given how young he is, though, he you could see him start. He's one of those guys that could start at AAA um, in that rotation and kind of headline it. And then if he does well and there's a need for him you know, early on, you could see him come up. Um, that's just my thought. I mean, he could just blow everybody away over the next four weeks and, and force his way onto this team. But I would say right now he's probably a guy who maybe you see start down there. I mean, Kyle Muller is out of options as well, and he's kind of revamped his whole uh, you know, wind-up, it seems like. Crazy to think of where he went from, you know, opening day started last year to trying to fight, fight his way onto this team. But um, he seems to be trying to, uh, you know, fix some things that he was doing wrong last year. And early on the A's have liked, you know, they worked with him closely. He's out of options. So um, he's going to have to, you know, have a decision made on him as well. Can he be a long guy in the bullpen? But then I mean, you go down the list, you know, Ken Waldachuk's going to come back at some point, And he's yeah. the guy who probably would have been the number five guy if he was healthy. 
Um, it seems like he's, you know, re- his rehab is going well. He won't, he'll probably pitch bullpen towards the end of spring, you know, so at some point he's going to come back on this team and then you're going to have, you know, even more decisions to make. But again, over these next four weeks, you know, somebody could get hurt, somebody, you know, anything could happen. You hope not. But I mean, we've seen this every year. I mean, you kind of always expect coming into spring training that somebody's going to go down with something. But it is a lot better position than they were in last year, without a doubt. I mean, so much depth that they have to lean on this spring. Um, and all these guys are competing with each other for that spot. I think it's only going to make them better. The guys who don't make this, uh, you know, rotation out of, out of opening day, you know, they'll go down to AAA and form a pretty good rotation down there, it seems like. Yeah, and Mitch Spence, rule Mitch five Spence. Guy, Yeah, right? I, I, I totally left him out. Yeah. Yeah, he's okay. got to make this team too. I get it. All the noise, everything else, anything you read about the A's, no one wants to write about the players. Any any project, like anything when they, MLB.com, whatever we see, the, the one thing for every team, everything is never, it's never about the team. I got the sense when I was there, the chip on the shoulder, these guys are tired of all of this. I think this team is going to be, it's not going to be light years better, but I think they're going to be a lot better. That 50 wins, I see that over and under. We've seen it 55 and a half, 56 and a half. I think this team is going to be far better. You've been around them for a long time, uh, and you've been around this team so far this spring. What are, what are the vibes you're getting for the overall season? Do you feel that this team is going to be far better than people think? I think so. And I mean, I've gone around to guys and mentioned the the win total that they had, like 56 and a half set. And they kind of like are shocked. Like, what? Like, what is going Like, they think we're going to win 56 games. So it definitely, uh, I think it's a motivating factor without a doubt. I mean, you talk to guys like Lawrence Butler and Zach Geloff. I think they all feel like, you know, this team, because of the outside stuff that's gone on with this team, I think they kind of just overlook who's on this team. The, the young guys that came up last year who, you know, have some promise and, and the additions that they made this year, I think everyone just looks at the A's and thinks, well, they're they're a mess. You know, they don't know where they're gonna play next year, and then and you know, they're they're not even to be taken seriously. But inside that clubhouse, you know, they kind of saw what they did last year. That last month, they played their best uh month of baseball. All those guys got their feet wet last year who came up from the minors who were, you know, considered some of their you know top prospects. They're all gonna come in to you know opening day on this roster with that experience. Um, and so they feel like they're gonna be a lot better this year. I mean. I'm not going to put a you know win total on it, but I think to say that they're going to win 56 games, I I don't see that. I think they're going to definitely win a lot more games. You just just the additions they made on the pitching side alone, it just seems like it's so much more. It's going to be so much more stable um, than it was last year, and that was really their their what led to that rough start that they had. That the starting pitching just fell apart, and it was just kind of a snowball effect into the relief side, and it was just all bad. But um, they definitely seem to be. Uh, more prepared this year, and those guys who, they, who came up last year got their feet wet. So I think we're going to see a lot better baseball this year, without a doubt. All righty. Best burrito in Arizona. There's a hole-in-the-wall place in Mesa called uh, Tortas El Chavo. It's really good. It's right by the uh, stadium, maybe like five minutes from here. There's also Tacos Chihuas in uh, Phoenix. Really good spot. I rec- highly recommend it. Those are my two spots out here for sure. The man is on a mission to find the best burritos in the United States of America. <laughs> Fact or fiction? It is. Uh, you know, over, over the past couple of years, I've kind of reduced my consumption of burritos. You know, as you get a little older, you, you, you want to you know, 
watch your diet a little bit better. But I still I still definitely indulge in burritos pretty frequently. All right. All, our goal for next year's spring training is we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna map out Mesa for A's fans, and you're gonna be a big part of us finding the new spots in the hangs. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the game today. All right, Tony. Sounds good. See you later. Martin Gallegos says the best job covering the A's, MLB.com. There's no question about it. Who we got coming up next? Johnny D. Know your Friars. It's a good, that's a good list. You are are we one. at home today? Or are we yes. on the road? We're at home. Road tomorrow. Good. The, the Padres Mariners spring training facility. The Peoria. Peoria. I've been there. Yeah, it's not. No, I went there a couple of years ago. No, no, yeah. wasn't, wasn't a fan. I actually really like Cleveland, Cincinnati. I thought Goodyear was cool. Some of them are not so hot. Some are spectacular. Salt River Field. Yeah, you know Salt River Fields that the the Rockies and the D back share it, right? Mm-hmm. They pay no money. The casino pays everything. Or I should say the 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 tribe, the reservation pays for everything. So the deal is I learned this from the good doctor, Kevin Kern. Uh, that the deal is that they don't pay anything and they don't make anything. Oh, interesting. Oh. Yeah, you just get uh, you just get your spring. T- they just everything's paid for. You show up. You got all your players. You got all the stuff, and you didn't have to pay for the ballpark. You don't have to pay for the maintenance. You don't have to pay for anything. But then again, you're not. It's actually a good deal. Yeah. Sorry, Johnny's here, but it looks like he has a special guest with him. He's got. All of our guests are bringing guests All right, well, on. coming up next, we'll have Johnny D right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the studio, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All righty, let's go to Ho-Ho Camp Park in Mesa, Arizona. Johnny D getting ready for the broadcast. Oh, wow. Whoa, whoa. You know what they say about Shooty Babbitt. You can't teach good looking. You can't teach it. You either got it, like Shooty, you know as a scout when you're out there, a player's got it or not. I mean, they've been saying that for you, best-dressed guy on television. You can't teach that kind of skill. I got just one thing to say, Chris Townsend. Ain't no league. You know, when you come to the ballpark, you go look for hot dogs, popcorn, and Johnny Dosco. And I got my soul brother right on my right, right here. So invited me in so nicely to say hello to you and the barrier fans today. And man, I just want to say, have a great 2024. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing you and spending a whole lot of time with you guys. Hey, Shooty, in the desert, you can't be hiding in the bushes. When you're in the desert, what are you hiding in the cactus? Ha, you know I'm hiding. They know I'm there, but they just can't see me but they know they felt me and I'm filling it up around here. But um, let me tell you this young Oakland A's team, man, um, I'm very impressed with what you're seeing out there, the way they're going about their business, the preparation and the work that they're putting in. It's unbelievable, man. It's going to be a great year. So uh, we'll have a lot of great things to talk about, but the last thing I'm going to do is take time from the great Donnie Doskal over here. And um, he just gave me a chance to say hello to you today. And I'm glad I got a chance to, you guys have a great show and a great call today, man. I look forward to seeing you. The great Shooty Babbitt. All right, buddy. We'll be doing some. We'll be doing some TV. We'll play some golf. For sure. Johnny D, how are you, buddy? Great Shooty Babbitt. I'm doing well. How are you? 
the super scout, Shooty Babbitt, he's truly one of the best scouts in all of Major League Baseball. That's yes, fact. He is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. How are you, man? You look you look skinnier. Well, I got to tell you, I had some broccoli last night. I got away from you, and I had a healthy <laughs> dinner. I feel better already. I got a good night's sleep. Good. Uh, just, I mean, you're a bad influence. I mean, that's just fact. Terrible broccoli, man. Good for you. I don't even know how you do. I mean, you're going to be in Arizona for what, like 33 days. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to mix in some broccoli as well, some salads, uh, maybe some home cooked meals. I got. I got to figure it out because I. I can't. I can't be playing for the tie. I mean, doing the. I'm getting my peloton in every day, but still, you can't be playing for the tie. You know. Yeah, it's a, it's a push right now. You're at a. You're maybe at a push. Right. Maybe. Exactly. Exactly. To where I was not, a, I was losing like, like who's CJ Abrams. I was looking at today. It was like a minus uh, eight defensive run saved. When I was in Arizona, I was like a minus 12 defensively. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I crush, I think every, so I brought the family down. So we're eating out every night, crushing it. And then you and I eat Mexican food every single day. I was a negative in defensive run saved. There's no question. No question. I had a negative war for sure. It was bad. I mean, I gotta. I I I I, I realize I gotta. I gotta. I gotta get back. I gotta get back. All right, um, the kid back for the Giants. It, you and I were in the car the other day, driving to Goodyear, and I guess you know him from Sacramento, and I think Olivia knows him. And you got and I remember you you guys knew about this hand deal, and I said, I mean, for the Giants, I, and normally we're just talk A's, but since you know this Beck kid who's supposed to be their number five starter. Uh, I didn't put two and two together. It's a big that's a big deal for the Giants right now in their camp. It is. I just got a text uh, back from him, and he is. Uh, he said thanks for reaching out. Everything's fine right now. I'll, I'll keep you updated on what's going on here. But uh, pretty scary stuff right there. Pretty pretty scary stuff when when you talk about an aneurysm. When you hear the word aneurysm, it, it worries you. It worries you a little bit. He said really appreciate it, Dosky. All is good here. I got lucky to catch it when I did. So. Yeah, good luck to him for young yeah. for young yeah. athlete. That's uh, really really scary. What were your big takeaways yesterday from the game? Man, I'll tell you, uh, Tony, it, it's just been honestly like just, it's been a blast to see these pitchers. Just watching Blackburn, I like watching Blackburn work because he doesn't overpower you. Vinny and I were talking about the fact just he pinpoints, he he changes speeds. That was a, that was a takeaway for me. Uh, just the bats came out again. I mean, what what Bladé had a triple and a home run. You had Geloff and Noda with a single, uh, both had singles and home runs. Uh, it, it's the approach, I think. You know, it's one thing spring training, and it's spring training, right? So you take it with a grain of salt sometimes. But I don't know. I feel like the bats are getting better and better with these guys, and and uh, it's it's been uh, it's been fun to watch. You just even the guys that are coming in are having quality at bats. You know, Ruiz, of course, had a triple yesterday. Uh, we watched uh, Scotty Alexander got some work in, didn't have really the success he wanted. But doesn't the, the results don't matter for him really right now? Medina, two Medina. I thought Medina looked really sharp. I thought Medina looked really good. And then Billy Sullivan came in with that breaking ball. He was impressive as well. So we we saw some really good things yesterday. J J Blade. That's your guy. I might be the I'm like the leader of the fan club for yeah. Noda, Nick Allen, but JJ Blade. We've talked about it for years. Primetime talent. A's haven't been able to draft at the very, very top. AJ Puck was a top draft pick. You swapped top draft picks. I thought it was it was odd that the Marlins would make that, but JJ Blade is a guy that's got all world talent. 
And kind of, if I see this thing really going the way I want it to go for the A's this year, J.J. Bleday could be that guy where I, I, he's got all-star capability. Now, I'm not going to put that kind of pressure on him, but he's got the ability to be a really good outfielder for many years, a solid guy, terrific athlete, throws well, power, speed, size. I mean, there's a reason why he was the fourth pick overall in the draft. If he could just harness this and bring it out, man, what a steal that'd be for the A's. Yeah, no question. I know that inside the park home run last year, you fell in love with him, and a lot of people did, and he's he's got all-world talent. And we're just – you're waiting for him to put it together, be consistent, right? Consistently put that together. He goes on a roll as he did that uh, that junior year at, at Bandy where he's the best player in the country. One of the best college baseball years really uh, in recent memory. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, you know, the guy plays a solid left field. He plays a great center field. As you said yesterday, his favorite, favorite position is right field. But he's got all the tools, and, and I would just like to see him, you know, get consistent at bats and, and, and uh, see what he can do, see him do some damage over the course of a couple of months. You mentioned Medina. If he throws the ball well, they're going to have an interesting decision on him. They will. And, you know, Katze talked in the scrub yesterday about – the fact that this guy worked as hard as anybody this last offseason. He worked his tail off at winter ball, and he came back, and he's determined. This guy, remember his first outing against the Angels, and he came out of that outing, and I watched the press conference, and he said, look, um, I am not happy to be here. I want to dominate here, and he hasn't done it yet. I mean, he had look, flashes of brilliance where he had five or six starts that were pretty solid, but you haven't seen the best of Luis Medina yet, and I think this guy has – uh, talk about all world potential. I, he's he's a guy with his stuff. He can harness it. Uh, he is going to uh, do some damage in this league for sure. Let's not forget it was last year in July. Fangraphs did an article on him about pitching like an ace, ace like stuff. So it's there. It's definitely we know it's there. Mm-hmm. We do, we do, and you know, just he he has a belief. Every time he goes out there, he he has the belief. I am going to dominate. I am going to dominate. Even when he even when he has struggled and he's had three or four bad outings, his confidence has never, never wavered at all. So I, I do think this guy has the mindset to do it. It's just putting it all together. And, you know, remember, he was a guy that came over from the Yankees, and he just had very little command. I mean, the walk numbers were off the charts um, in, in a bad way. And, he's, he's, and he has uh, harnessed that a little bit. Once he can really, uh, if he can find a way to – point in and get that command i'm telling you it's all over this guy's stuff is 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 uh is number one or number two stuff for sure how much are you chomping at the bit to see mason miller in an actual game no I sin try. game no backfield yeah. game i want him in a cactus league game i want him in a cactus league game and i want the radar gun to work i i'm very excited for that yes <laughs> I, I i really I, I, how about that it's so funny like we watch baseball games now. We're always looking up at the scoreboard at the radar gun. And now, like, you could be at a Cactus League game. I'm sure it's the same way in the Grapefruit League. And all of a sudden, a guy gets on the mound, and you look up, and you're like, where, where is it? I don't see it on the score. Where's the where's the radar gun? <laughs> you have to look for a while. And even with, uh, with, with Joe Boyle the other day, Vinny and I were joking. It sounded like it was 101, right? And, and, and just, you know, just watch. And Joe Boyle's going to throw today, which I'm really excited about. But he was hitting uh, 101 in his in his last uh, – he came out firing, you know. 
all that ramping up. He's, he's rolling now. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what Joe Boyle will do. Estes is going to pitch today as well. Both those guys were really sharp in their first outing. And Kotze said uh, Boyle will throw no more than 50 pitches today. But it's fun to see him ramp up and, and get that pitch count up a little bit. And then you get down to the next outing up to 55 or 60. And then here we go. You get up to 70 and then we're ready to roll. Yeah, Joe Boyle, I, every single time I speak with him, I just come away more impressed. He's a very bright kid. He understands data and analytics. Uh, we found out that his fiance works for the Cleveland Indians in their data department, so he's all in, and he knows. But he's just a bright kid out of Notre Dame. And what's so interesting is we get these young pitchers, and we have so many people talking to them. You have so many. I mean, we've got pitching coaches. we got roving pitching coordinators. we got all these people. And it's like we hear so many times. Kyle Muller said it to us. We've now boil. It's like at some point you got to get back and find out and remember what you did well and just focus on that. And, and Boyle's done that. Kyle Muller's done that. It's like with all the stuff and all everything we're throwing at players, sometimes you got to, you know, this is who I am, this is what I do well, and this is how I'm going to go out and dominate people, and I'm going to I'm going to kind of cut back on all the stuff people are trying to throw at me. Yeah, no question. I mean, bottom line is you know, the guys going to try to rely on their talent, but you you that happens sometimes. I I talked to players back in the day and, uh, or, you know, the last several years, just in, in the giant system and players talking about just getting advice from a bunch of different people and, and how tough that is for some guys. So, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is rely on your talent, uh, take the things that work and try to harness those things and, and, uh, and try to try to dominate yourself. But you're right. You can't have too many things in your head at the same time, instead of just going, going with your instincts and your athleticism to go, to go dominate a baseball game. It was like you in school and college. You got to keep it simple. Keep it simple. I, I think I got a 2-2 two, two or 2-3, two, graduated with a 2-3. So I kept it, tried to keep it as simple as I could. Not the brightest guy, but I got through it. Found a way. Found a way to get through it. You, when you when you walked at graduation, you weren't one of those guys that had like the special ribbons for no. instrument. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Am I surprised you? Neither was I, Johnny. That's not, that's not shocking for either one of us. You know, I, that, that's that's, you know. I mean, basically through high school and college, I needed I needed a 2.0 to be eligible. Right. And you were eligible. I was eligible. I was yeah. never ineligible. It could have been questionable at times, but I was never ineligible. I may have had to come back to San Jose State early for a summer school class to be eligible. Would have, I think it might have been my junior year, but I was always eligible, Johnny. You could never take me off the field because of grades. You found a way to get through it. You found a way after, you know, a lot of people said, oh, he's going to end up with a 1-8, a 175. No, you didn't. You you came through. You you ha- you found a way to, to do just enough to be eligible, and I respect that. I was the Al Davis of college careers, just win, baby. Just win, baby. Just win. Absolutely. But it was really just be eligible. All righty, it is time. Switch the camera angle for everybody's favorite game. It's Johnny Knows. The past two days, you have been phenomenal. You were phenomenal with Guardians slash Indians. You were phenomenal with Giants. Today is, how well do you know your Friars? The okay. same 
Padres. Uh, Johnny, I just squeaked by in college too. I graduated with a three seven, so I just barely. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, what yeah. a show off! Commander's yeah. such a show off. He's just a hey, show off. By the way, they're, they, these private school kids, these schools are so easy. All you have to do is get in, you're, and you got to pay a large amount, and they graduate you in four years. I Stanford, you realize, I laughed, and, and I have a few friends who are Stanford graduates, and they like to throw it in your face, but I say the toughest thing about Stanford, and they will all admit this, is getting in. Because after that, everybody graduates in four years. You can drop a class on the day of the final. You can't do that at a California state school. You can't drop a class the day of the final. Are you saying that Stanford? You're saying that Stanford academically, once you get in, is an easy school? If, everybody graduates in four years. Everybody graduates four years from Santa Clara, St. Mary. The toughest thing is paying for it and getting in. Fact. Hmm. Well, I didn't go to school here, so I don't have to worry about that. Uh, no, no one's even heard of your school. I don't even know if that's an accredited school. Uh, well, they changed the name now. That's how that's how big our school got. We had a Mert. Two other schools had to join our university to get the, to get the education I got in Western Pennsylvania. Did you guys even get a diploma? Uh, I'm not one of those people that framed mine like like some of my friends did. I'm not that guy where you see it hanging on the wall. I have mine in a box somewhere. Yeah, mine's, yeah, same. mine's with my high school one. Okay, Johnny, first question. It's a softball. This Padre is also the all-time leading assist leader at his college. In basketball. Oh, come on. Tony Gwynn, come on. I told you it was a layup. I said, yeah. How many assists did he have? Do you know? Just give me – no pressure. Just take a guess. How many assists in his, yeah. in his, in his career, his college yeah. career? Yeah. Oh, God, I wouldn't even begin to – I don't uh, – let's see. How about uh, – I, I don't – 380. Uh, no, not not too far. Though. 590 was – Okay. Yeah. He played four years. Back then yeah. they played four years. Yeah. All right. What, what, what year did the Padres make their – or reach their first World Series? Uh, their first World Series was 1984. Wow. Yeah, Johnny's hot. Okay. Johnny is hot. Two for two. Follow-up question. Who managed that team in 1984? Oh, was it, was it Dick Williams? There you go. Three wow. for three. No, Johnny's you're friars. The Padres have had one player win the most valuable player award. Who am I? Wait, can I help you, Johnny? He and I, he and I both wore the same number for the same college. Oh wow! MVP. We went to the same college. Okay, he's a San Jose State guy. One of the great Spartans of all time. We both we both wore number twenty one. So when they retire the number for him, it'll be for us. <laughs> I, I like to see. Wow. Uh, what what de- what decade? Just give me the decade. In the nineties. In the nineties. Might have been on PEDs. Yeah, could have been like. Oh, oh, Ken Caminiti. There you go. There John. you go. Know your Friars. Sorry, sorry. Uh, the Padres went to the World Series in nineteen ninety eight. Who led the team in home runs? He grew up where you live. There you go. He had fifty. I'll, I'll give you the number. He grew up where you live. Jesus. 19, 19, 90, 90, 98. 98. Padres, Yankees. Um, God, this is so, it's just, it's just, it's so ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not getting this. Uh, right-handed masher. He grew up in Sacramento. 
Grew up in Sac. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Greg Vaughn. There you go. Oh, Johnny's on fire. He knows his fire. Yeah, I'm, getting, I'm getting some hints though. It doesn't count. I'm getting some. All hints. right. Okay. Prior to Blake Snell last year, who was the last Padre to win the Cy Young Award? Randy Jones, 1976. No, there was guys since then. Uh, it was Jake Peavy in 2007. He won the Triple Crown, the National League Triple Crown. That's right. Now right. on MLB Network. Which legendary Padres broadcaster was also the team's manager in 1980? Jerry Coleman. Look at the Colonel. Look at the Colonel. All right, Johnny. From my research, there have been six different guys to manage both the A's and the Padres. Can you name? <laughs> can you name them? Uh, Dick Williams. That's yeah. One. <laughs> This is hard. It's hard, yeah. This is hard. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, go through them. Alvin Dark? Alvin Dark, that's two. Come on, there's okay. a guy that's managing the Giants right you, now. You that did saw it. him yesterday. Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin. Yep. Uh, the, this guy was the GM the year they went to the World Series with Dick Williams as the manager. Think Marlins World Series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trader. Right. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, that's right. He was 69 years old when he, when he, that's right. Uh, uh, McCann, Jack McCann. At four. Trader Jack. Yep. Uh, the other two uh, are Steve uh, Boros and John McNamara. John McNamara. I remember Johnny Mac. Yeah, that was hard. That yeah, was that, really, that, yeah, really, you, really hard. All right. Last one, Johnny. Actually, two more. This Padre hit the biggest home run in Padres history and is now running for office in Steve California. The Garve. All right. Last That's one. Good. This Padre was also drafted. Was, this Padre was drafted in the National Football League. The Nas- National Basketball. Dave Winfield. Dave Winfield. Wow. I know mean, your Friars. Johnny Johnny just owns the NL West. Well, Johnny grew up in Southern California, but he was a Dodger fan. I can't wait to do Know Your Rockies. Remember, Blue Moon brewed at Coors Field. We got know your we got to know your Royals tomorrow. Remember? Oh, that yes, I I will have some good. See, they got to be George Brett, Frank White, Steve Balboni, Brett Saberhagen. Zach Greinke right. up there on some of them. Dan Quisenberry. <laughs> Buddy Biancolana. Buddy Biancolana, exactly. Yep. Eric Gordon. Yep. Uh, Eric, uh, Aaron Gordon. Who, who's the other, who's the outfitter they had that was really good? Um, more recently when they won the World Center Series. Fielder. It was Gordon. What was his first name? Alex, was it? Alex, no, was it? No, Eric Alec. Alex Gordon. Alex Gordon out of Nebraska. Nebraska. But no, who was, who was center fielder? Didn't play for the Brewers. He was a great. Lorenzo uh, Kane. Lorenzo Kane. Yes. Eric, Eric Hosmer. Hosmer just retired. Yeah. Moustakis. So. Kelvin Herrera, who was a jerk. Uh, Johnny, Brett Laurie. Remember when he hit Brett Laurie? Johnny, bonus question on the Friars. Who has the most home runs in Padres history? Most home runs in Padres. Think old school Padres. Padres. Think it's original just, Jack Murphy Stadium. Wow, back in the day, day. Um, yeah, back in the day. Back in the day. Uh, Big guy. Nate Colburn? Wow, yes. No, you're Friars. Johnny's on fire. Yeah, I don't have any more. I guess the only one I can ask you is how many gentlemen, how many managers has, uh, has, um, What's why am I blanking on it? Um, AJ Preller had since he's been the GM. I'm gonna go seven. I th- Four. I think. No, it's, no, no. It's like seven. I think it's eight now. Because yeah. yeah, you got you got count the inter- the interim guys. Yeah. Let's see. Padres. I think it's either seven or eight. It's Melvin, Jace Tingler, Andy Green, Rod Barajas, Bud Black, uh, Mike Schilt. Pat Murphy. Pat Murphy, and there was, I think, one other I might be missing. I mean, it's amazing that this guy has had 10 years. It's it's, it's crazy. Like, I, 
I, it's just it's insane to me that AJ Preller has had this long to run a franchise. It's just insane. How many guys? Um, well, Dave Roberts. Interim. Yeah, so eight different guys. Wow. Eight guys in ten years, and you don't think there's a problem? Yeah, what you probably took what year to probably take over the Padres? It's been 14? ten years. Yeah, so yeah, he's had eight managers. Wow. Uh, who's on the bump today? Uh, Joe Boyle and 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 for for the for the A's, Joe Boyle and Estes will pitch as well, and uh, Pedro Avila will get the start for the Padres. He's battling for rotation. Yeah, but who do, do do you do you do they? Who's on the list that's there today? Who's on the list, let's see. I think uh, Adrian Martinez will pitch today. Okay. Uh, I think Danny Jimenez, uh, uh, Gerson Moreno, Gerson Moreno will pitch, and uh, Joey Estes, as we said, uh, uh, possibly Vinny Natoli, Easton Lucas came over for uh, Fujinami. By so. the way, um, Martin Gallegos asked him the question because Mason Miller. Like, closer, but he's not going to be able to go two days in a row, probably right out of the gate, maybe, not all the time. If it's th- one of the A's win three in a row, and they need to save three days in a row, he's not going to at least do three. So he asked Martin Gallegos, his pick, if it's not Mason Miller to get the save, he goes Danny Jimenez. Wow, interesting. I mean, it I mean, could be anybody. Remember, what, what did you say, Chad Smith last year, Commander? Uh, no, that was you that said Chad Smith. Just kidding. How's your White Sox? How are your White Sox doing? Okay, easy, easy. Hey, Delaire was one one off. He said Mason Miller lead the team in saves last year. He was just one year away. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Mason Miller throw. It's going to be good. Release the Kraken. (laughs) I cannot wait. All right. Tomorrow is Know Your Royals. Okay. I like it. This guy played the NFL and Major League Baseball. Who am I? And had it and had a Nike campaign. Right. Who is Bo Jackson? There you, go. <laughs> you are good. I don't know how we're going to stump you. All right, buddy. Have a good call today. We miss you. See you guys. I miss you too. The great Johnny Dosco. <laughs> he had the Just Do It campaign. This guy Heisman is, Trophy winner. This broadcaster once personally wrote a handwritten letter to George Steinbrenner. <laughs> We got we. I, where is my guy, the HUD man? I'm saving him for the regular season. Oh, We're gonna have one of the radio guys on tomorrow. I'm saving HUD man for the regular season when we get him in person. HUD man fires me up. I know that's why. That's why he's good in person. Over video is great, but when you get him in person, it's even better. Oh, I get him going too. The whole Fresno, Notre Dame. He loves it. Yeah, we we don't really need to focus on the Royals. Oh, they have made a lot of moves this offseason. They have spent money and made a ton of moves. The Kansas City Royals. If you look at. The roster resource on MLB on uh, fan graphs for the, the Padres. Here's just a list of some guys they lost Snell, Lugo, Walker, or Waka, Gary Sanchez, Josh Hader, Nick Martinez, Rich Hill, uh, Matt Carpenter, Austin Nola, Jerickson Profar, Drew Pomerantz, just name a few. All right. Yeah. It's, it's like 670 innings they lost. Yeah. It's not great. It was one of the most odd years in the history of baseball. Spent huge. Didn't work out. New manager. Their owner passed away. I mean, it's been a wild and not a good time for the San Diego Padres, who were a chic pick to win the World Series last year after going to the NLCS the year before. Jesse Agler calls Padre games down in San Diego. He'll join us next 
I'm assuming from Ho-Ho Cam, right? Yes, correct. Right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the studio, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, we head back down to the Valley of the Sun. Padres and A's today from Ho-Ho Cam. Jesse, I just left two days ago. Wish I could have saw you. How is everything? Uh, doing great, Chris. Thank you. Always good to be here at uh, Ho-Ho Cam, one of uh, my favorite places to do a game in spring training. Yeah, you know, that's a, one of the things about Arizona. You go to all the ballparks. Like, we just called a game. I was in Goodyear. Uh, taking on the Indians and uh, the Guardians with Stephen Vogt. I love that yard, Camelback Ranch. I mean, for all fans, you guys are in Peoria with the Mariners. For all fans, Arizona, every ballpark is great. Yeah, there's there's not a losing proposition. You know, I mean, some are nicer, quote unquote, or newer, but like some of them have more classic spring training feels. Um, you know, the, the spring training broadcasts are kind of like their own unique challenge, obviously, with all the uh, changes and the substitutions and the minor league guys. Uh, that, you know, maybe you don't know as much about. Um, but getting to kind of bop around the Valley for a month every year, uh, seeing all these different facilities doing these games, really to me is like one of the best parts of uh, the job. All right. So last year was, uh, it was crazy. And I remember, so obviously I know Bob Melvin real well, doing the Bob Melvin show for all these years. And I went over and talked to Bob and Bob said, yeah, the chemistry's not great in the clubhouse. Well, everybody was talking about all the money being spent. Fan Fest was like historic. I know I've told you in the past, I'm from San Diego, and all my buddies back home were like, this is the year. They've got the parade route. I remember we talked to you about the Dodgers and, you know, taking down the Dodgers in the playoffs and everybody was excited. When you look at the numbers, you look at the record, it was the most year maybe we've seen in a long, long time for the, for the Padres to basically just be over 500 with all that talent. Just take us through just how crazy of a year it was for the Padres when they had such high hopes. It was really weird. You know, I mean, they got off to a slow start, and you kind of all said what we would all say, right? Like, all right, hey, plenty of time to get this thing figured out, plenty of talent to get this thing figured out. And they never really got going. And, you know, the weirdness of the numbers, you know, you bring up, like, the ERA was fine. Batting average wasn't great, but, like, you had all of that offensive talent. And to take what was probably a fairly complicated situation and boil it down, you know, they just didn't do the little things to win games enough. And that was reflected in their record in one-run games. That was reflected in their record in extra innings. I think they were 0-12 in extra innings going into the last week of the season. And by then, of course, it was too late you know, to try and make the playoffs. They ended up winning a couple of extra inning games uh, the last week, including the final game of the year against the White Sox. But it was like all year long, they couldn't win those extra inning games. And it was very obvious watching, really with only one or two exceptions, they weren't executing in those games. You know, there's one they lost in Cincinnati that stands out in my memory. It was kind of a crazy back and forth. I think both teams scored in the 10th, both teams, you know, and it was like kind of an exciting, fun game. That was the exception. You know, it seemed like for each of the first seven, eight extra inning games, not only were they not bringing home that automatic runner in their half of the 10th inning, they weren't getting hits. They just couldn't get anything going in extra innings. And, you know, it became one of those things in the tight games where they struggled with it early on. It just seemed to snowball. They were never able to pull out of it. And the next thing you know, you look up at the end of the year on the outside looking in. Just to give people an idea, a lot of A's fans, the Padres were number one in walk rate. They were number one in starters ERA. 
and they rank second overall in ERA, but we're nine and 23 in one run games, two and 12 in extra innings games. It was just, it was so bizarre, especially by the time you guys got to us up in Oakland and we got to talk to Bob Melvin about it. You know, one of the tough things, Peter Seidler, who passed away, the owner of the Padres, what he meant to the franchise and what he meant to the city. And I know they're going to have a patch the uh, jerseys this year. We talked about how tough that been in the organization because he was a sweet man. A wonderful man, a wonderful owner. Um, you know, obviously, uh, ownership quality is disparate around the league you know and i think in any sport you know as fans we sort of understand that in a lot of cases you're going to go only as far as, as ownership can take you and he was willing to take them all the way uh it was wonderful and you know the padre fans as you know had suffered through some ownerships that weren't willing to do that really for most of their history going back to 1969 um his vision is alive though you know his his vision his hopes uh his aspirations not only for the Padres, but for the community as a whole, are still very much uh, in play here. Uh, they're not spending in free agency this year the way they did the last couple of years. But I think even had Peter still been with them, that would have been the case. I think they want to get under the CBT number, kind of reset that, and get ready to move forward again. Um, but, you know, they're going to be playing with his initials above their hearts all season long on the jerseys. Uh, the gold heart patch was designed by his kids. Um, you know, Peter leaves behind a wonderful wife and, and some wonderful young children. And, uh, you know, this is very much for Peter around here and it's going to be a, a special kind of uh, season in remembering him playing for him honoring him and hopefully winning an awful lot of games for him as well also very bizarre is just the relationship with the organization AJ Preller he's been around now for 10 years if you count managers that's like eight managers in 10 years you know how much we love Bob Melvin. It didn't work out. He's now in San Francisco. Mike Schilt is now in. I'm not going to ask you about Preller because I, 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 know, I know how that works. But just from the standpoint, what is, I guess, different from Melvin to Schilt, what you've seen so far in spring training? I, I, I don't know that, you know, there's much difference in like a broad sense, anything like that. But I will say, and this isn't a, a knock or a, a point for either guy. I think Mike's just a different person than Bob is. I think he approaches the game a little bit differently than Bob does. You know, just even out here during workouts, Bob was very much let his coaches do the coaching, right, in spring training. And you'd see Bob kind of step back. He'd go field to field, kind of check in on what was going on. Mike Schultz got his nose in a lot of these drills and a lot of these workouts. That's just his style. That's his personality. Like I said, I don't think that, you know, it means anything one way or the other for either guy. I think both have accomplished a tremendous amount of this game i've got great respect for both of them um but you know sometimes in sports it really is as simple as a new voice um and, and obviously i think that's what the padres are banking on here uh that a new voice will be able to you know maybe help them through some of the things that they weren't able to push through the last year all right this is a question that's for all of us it's an epidemic in our game is that we just don't have enough pitching we we don't have you know you got to get four thousand three hundred seventy four outs in a season, if you don't count extra innings, and we're like all starving to get innings pitched, the Padres have lost somewhere I saw around 670 innings off their staff from last year. Blake Snell is still out there. I just, how do you think the Padres are going to replace all of these innings? I mean, the, the big chunk of them will probably, if things go according to plan, come from guys acquired in the Soto trade with the Yankees. Michael King is going to slot right into the rotation as the three-starter. Randy Vasquez, Johnny Brito could very well end up as the fourth or 
fifth starters, or at least guys that contribute in the starting rotation over the course of the season. They all came from the Yankees in that trade. They also got a couple guys who probably won't get to the big leagues, at least at the start of this year, in that trade as well. So that's a big part of it. The guy pitching here against the A's this afternoon, Pedro Avila, is in the mix to help, you know, cover innings of the rotation. Matt Waldron, who pitched yesterday, is another name to know about. So there is some organizational depth. Uh, when it comes to pitching. Now, a lot of those guys obviously are unproven. A lot of those guys haven't gotten it done regularly at the big league level. And, you know, you said it. I mean, between Blake Snell, Michael Waka, and Seth Lugo, all three of whom were outstanding a year ago in the rotation for the Padres, that's a lot of innings and a lot of production that, that needs to be replaced. But, um, you know, they've got the bodies to do it. They've got, I think, one of the best pitching coaches in all of baseball in Ruben Niebla. And uh, so he's going to try and work his magic with these guys and kind of see how it goes. I want to stick up for a guy that's on the Padres because when, when the Padres were in Oakland, I've known Kevin Acey for a long time when he was with the Chargers and I was with the Raiders. I used to have him on all my Raiders shows. I know he's a very good reporter. San Diego Union Tribune now covers the Padres. And that kind of bombshell article about the clubhouse of Manny Machado, that hit while the Padres were in Oakland. That, if you remember back when that hit, it was up here. And it really kind of made Manny Machado. He went after Manny Machado. I'm going to stick up for Manny Machado. You know, in baseball with now 26 star player, big contract, we know that Manny Machado, when he plays, he brings it. And I don't think it was fair but, you know, with his leadership. I think Manny handled it pretty well when he basically said, listen, when you win, everything's great. When you lose, everybody's trying to find for the reasons why all those anomalies were going on. I think he's a terrific count by the end of his career. He's going to get Hall of Fame votes for sure. Could be have a uh, plaque in Cooperstown. What did you think about all that being put at the end of the season on Manny Machado? I, I didn't think much of it one way or the other. I mean, look, you said it. Manny is one of the best players in baseball. He's going to be a potential Hall of Famer. If not, he's going to come really, really close. I know it's a goal of his, certainly, and he's going to he's gonna hang around and, and put up a lot of numbers over the course of his career. He's one of the best players of his generation. Um, you know, in terms of what went wrong a year ago, Obviously, when you have a team with the expectations and the payroll and the talent that the Padres had in 2023, and they end up in the position that they were in late in the season, you know, all bases are going to be covered. And I think that's fair game, you know, for the reporters who are around this team and for the fans who follow this team to kind of look around and try and figure out what went on. And so articles, you know, came from every direction last year. It wasn't just one about Manny. There were articles about the front office. There were articles about Bob Melvin. There were articles about other guys in the clubhouse. To me, that is just the nature of having a team with the kind of talent and expectations they had had the record that they had. Um, and, and beyond that, I really don't think too much of it in any way. Always a lot of noise. I mean, there's no franchise has more noise outside the lines than us right now in Major League Baseball, right? So it's like, you know, you, you want to focus on the team and have Padres had noise, but at some point the players are going to get out and play. Uh, let, let's let, let's uh, talk about the Dodgers. Obviously, the Dodgers have been to the playoffs 10 years. They've won the division. Only the Giants won it at 107. I won game a couple of years ago. But Padres two years getting the NL. And last year, the D-backs getting in with 84 wins and going to the World Series. Obviously, it's going to be tough to beat the Dodgers in the division. They're so loaded. But how about what the Padres did two years ago with the Diamondbacks did this past year? Give the Padres the feedback tonight. 
Um, I, I don't know that that's required to, to get hope. I mean, the Padres knocked the Dodgers out of the playoffs two years ago, and I think we all understood, hey, the idea right now, this has been true for some time, but even more so with the new playoff format, the idea is to get in the tournament. And at that point, if, if you got a guy who gets hot, or ideally more than one guy who gets hot, that can carry you through a playoff series or two or three. That is the name of the game. And, you know, that's the hope is that you get into the postseason one way or another and you get hot. You know, two years ago when the Padres knocked the Dodgers out in the division series, they had to go to City Field to play the Mets in the wild card. And, and like, Trent Grisham got hot. Josh Bell got hot. That's pretty much how they defeated the Mets in that series. They got some great pitching as well. But from an offensive standpoint, it wasn't necessarily the guys that you anticipated going into that series who were the reason that they ended up winning it. And you go to the Dodgers, and it was kind of a team effort. But other guys came through, and then they ran out of steam against Philadelphia in the championship series. So I think there's just a really good understanding now of, you know, what it takes to get in, the importance of getting in, and then understanding once you're in, it's a little bit let the chips fall where they may to some extent. Um, and, and you just hope that you've got enough talent that eventually it rises to the top. But, I mean, look, the Dodgers and the Braves in 2023, the two of the best teams in National League history, they combined for zero postseason wins. And, you know, if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the playoffs, I don't know what does. All right, I know you got to get out of here because you, you got to call the game today. But uh, your partner, we love having him on the program also. Just how special is it doing the, the broadcast every day with Tony Gwynn Jr.? It's the best, you know. I mean, uh, First and foremost, on a human level, I consider him a friend. And, like, when you spend as much time in this booth as we all do during the season, to be able to do it with somebody you like and care about as a human being, that goes an awful long way. Um, but beyond that, Tony's also got the, the sharpest baseball mind that I've ever had the opportunity to be around. So being able to, to chat with Tony on a daily basis, on the air and off the air, about baseball stuff, the, the things that I have learned in the last few years working with Tony um, have uh, just stacked up on top of each other every single day. It's made me a better broadcaster. It's made me a better baseball person. And uh, I, believe me, I thank my lucky stars every single day that I get to do the games with this guy. Yeah, I tune in when I get sitting right here, so it's a little awkward. <laughs> hey, great. He's fantastic. Hey, I tune in. We also have a great PR guy, Darren. You can see him too, yes. Well, I'll tell you, I tune into you guys. You guys do a great job. Hey, thanks so much for stopping by. Enjoy the game today, and we'll talk to you during the regular season. Chris, appreciate it. Good to see you. Jesse Agler of the San Diego Padres. Good friend of Alan Bernstein. You call him Roxy back in the day uh, in their Florida Marlins days, and they do a very good job as Tony Gwynn Jr. is the analyst there on the Padres radio network, and whenever we have him on, it's crazy because he sounds just like his father. Uh Fact, and uh, I don't know who Alan Bernstein is. Who's that? Roxy, you call him Roxy. Oh, the cow guy? I I, I didn't want – I'm not going to have the play-by-play -play guy go in on the general manager. Oh, yeah. But – He's in team employee. He knows what I was saying. Like, there is no reason why A.J. Preller still has his job running a Major League Baseball team. But we went over the list. It's eight it's managers. Crazy. <laughs> it is crazy that someone has been given a decade. A decade never won the division, has rebuilt the team multiple times, done all kinds of crazy moves, done, and, and has no accountability. I mean, it's no accountability. How many people? Tell me how many people. It's kind of like Doug Wilson. But Doug Wilson got his team in the playoffs every year with the Sharks. How many people can run a Major League franchise and have that little of a success 
and keep their job in baseball, football, basketball, or hockey. Who? Doug Wilson at least went to the playoffs for 20 straight years, yeah. won the President's Cup. I mean, they were pretty They went to the Stanley Cup once, too. So, I mean, they, they had some run. I mean, hell, if you just look at other teams that do it in sports, like the, a good example, because you brought up hockey, the Penguins won the San, multiple Stanley Cups. They fired their GM and coaches all the time. Where Preller's been doing this for 10 years, and they've reached the NLCS, NLCS a few times. And that's really about it. And he's the longest tenured, right? Is he one of the longest tenured, if not the longest tenured GM in baseball now? Who? Preller. No. Brian Cashman. Oh, well, I forgot about Cashman. <laughs> they Cashman. haven't won anything in so long that I forgot he's still there. Brian Cashman's been since Bean got hired in late 97. And Cashman, Cashman got hired in 98. So Bean and Cashman were the two longest. And now Bean is doing Bean stuff. Still with the organization. But Cashman is still running the day-to-day operations for the Yankees. Yeah, so I think I if I'm just going quickly through the, every team, I think that Preller's the longest tenured in the National League now. Yeah, who'd, who'd even be close? Uh, National League? Oh, boy. Uh, What's well, no one in the mar- in that NL East? They're all – yeah, yeah, no one's close. Friedman's now been in L.A. for a while. Yeah, but he's the president, though, because they have a GM. Oh, Gomes so you're not going to count him? you got to count him because you got to count him. Okay. Free, free, yeah, he's you're running the franchise. Yeah, he's been there for a while. Um, But, yeah, it's not Farhan. It's not – uh, Mike Hazen. Hazen's Hayes? been there since 17. Yeah, but, he's been there a while. Um, it's none of the guys in the NL East. They're all they're all newish. Like and Anthopolis has been there, you know, for a good amount of time. It has been there as long as Preller. Yeah. And Preller might be the longest senior guy in the National League. Charrington's Anthopolis been, has now been in Atlanta for a while. Yeah, I forget what his first but year not was. That long. It was like 18 or no one's now. been in longer than Preller. No. In the National in the League. National no. League. Not the Cardinals, not the Well, wait a minute. Cubbies. Hoyer took over for Theo. Yeah, but he was there. He's been there for a long time. Oh, um, what about the – who's the Rockies GM? I feel like he's been there for a while, unless they replaced him. I only know Dan O'Dowd. Yeah, I forget who it was after that. Who was know after your that? G, know your front office people. I don't know. Who runs the Rockies? Uh, Rockies <laughs> GM. Well, you we said no one cares about the Rockies. Well, think so. about David Force. David Force has been here since basically college. Yeah, Bill Schmidt is it's the, the great Bill Schmidt. Uh, it used to be Jeff Burdich, but yeah, he wasn't there. Yeah, so Schmidt, uh, Schmidt's been there since 22, it looks like. So he hasn't been there that long. David Force has been here for 24 years. Fact, yes. Or is it 25? Yeah, oh boy. It's four or five. It's been since the early, early 2000s. Yeah, he's been here a long time. I mean, that's that that's like everybody with the A's has been here a long time. I mean, it seems like Billy Owens has been here since he left Bellarmine Prep here in San Jose. <laughs> I mean, everybody's been here a long time. Continuity has always been a big thing with the A's. Oh, John Mazalak from the Cardinals. How long has he been there? Um, let's see. Since 2007. But Ooh, that's a long time. Yeah. And that then beats Preller. Rizzo. Okay, then Preller. So he's third longest in the National League. Oh, Mike Rand. Friedman Friedman got hired a little after Preller. When I say a little after, it was like two yeah, months. Friedman's been there a long time. Yeah, twenty October of twenty fourteen. Wow, Depoto Depoto's been with the Mariners since twenty fifteen. <laughs> That's another guy <laughs> fired by the Angels and got hired. I mean, his some of the moves he's made. My God. Uh, but what was this? What was this comedy made about fifty four percent or yeah. something? That people fans their their players. Wasn't that one of the great comments when he basically went after the fan? So. Mariners 
don't make the playoffs on the very last weekend, and then your head of baseball ops, I don't even know what his title is, Jerry DePoto comes out and takes it to the fans, basically saying, hey, we've been successful, we're set up for the future, and uh, you better, you just better like it. And then he, after that press conference, clearly somebody went to him and said, yeah, this isn't going over well. And he had to come back out and go, that's not exactly what I meant. I'm sorry. That was a bad look at the end of the year. If you go back and look in a decade. What did he say exactly say? If you go back and look in a, in a decade, those teams that went 54% of the time always wind up in the postseason. And they more than often than not wind up in the World Series. So there's your big, there's your big bigger picture process. Nobody wants to hear the goal is the year where we're going to win 54% of the time. One year you're going to win 60%. Another year you're going to win 50 It's whatever it is. But over time, that type of mindset gets you there. And as this press conference goes on, he kind of basically told Mariner fans to shut up and enjoy that they're actually winning. It didn't go over well. Now I'm putting words in. His yeah, mouth, the next right? part, if you're, if what you're doing is focusing year year to year on what do we have to do to win the World Series this year, you might be one of the teams that's laying in the mud and can't get out for, get up for another decade. So we're actually doing the fan base a favor and asking for their patience to win the World Series while we continue to build a sus- sustainably good roster. Yeah, you morons. You should just be happy we're winning. And don't expect us to make the World Series. I mean, it did not go over well. <laughs> no. Oh, wow. And then he had to backtrack. The worst thing I've, you know, we're not in those positions, but can you imagine you have a press conference like that? You walk out of the press press conference, you go back to your office and the city explodes, right? Sports talk radio. Next, you know, the articles are being written and you go home, you got your wife, you got your kids and you're sitting at home. And somebody from the organization is going, you got a backtrack. Oh, the actual audio is in this article, too. But <laughs> you got a backtrack. And can you imagine going to bed that night? I mean, do you think you sleep well that night when you think, oh, my God, I got to go backtrack this press conference? And then he has to come out and say, sorry. And that's, that's not exactly what I meant. And that whole thing. Yeah. Jerry DePoto says he operates with a 10 year plan to win 54% of the time. That's what the tweet said. 54% it's like gambling, right? I you got to win 50 if you're a professional sports gambler, you got to win 52% of the time to 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 make profit. To Fortenba- make good profit. Joe Fortenbach always tell me that. Did he say 50? I've always yeah. heard 52 to 53%. If you're doing that, you're doing well. You know, everybody acts like they do well betting football. Never. I would not. I don't do that. Never once. You still need to pay me up before the season starts. I know we got to figure this out. Well, no, we. I said we got. We're going to the place in uh, San Pedro Square here in San Jose. Yeah, you still owe me. It, well, what what bet are you going to lose on this year to me? Hmm. I'll have to look and see. I'll have to look at the standings. What crazy bet are you going to make this year that I'm going to be able to bet you on? Blake Snell won't sign with the team until August. I'm just kidding. I'm just throwing something out there. That's right. Blake <laughs> Snell is still the guy who won. The Cy Young Award has not signed. Uh, fact. Hey, Matt Chapman. Remember everybody thought he was a franchise player? He still hasn't signed. There have been people saying that the Giants could get Snell now that Tristan Beck is hurt, and I just don't see them getting him. I don't care if he is a connection with Bob Melvin. 
It's February 29th, and the guy that won the NL Cy Young Award hasn't signed. We're a week in, uh, and we're, he's still young. We're almost a week into our our spring training games. The Padres and Dodgers started a week ago. A week ago on this uh, on Thursday or today, the guy's not signed. He hasn't. We're a week into spring training games. So, Jordan Montgomery, who was a playoff hero for the Texas, hasn't signed. Yep, Chapman. J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez. I mean, doesn't everybody need a D.H.? Most teams. Uh, a couple of the other guys that are still out there, like Michael Lorenzen, who pitched a no-hitter last year for the Phillies. He's, He's still, still out, out there? there. Yeah. Michael Lorenzen yeah. is still out there? Wow. <laughs> now, he really fell off after that, but, I mean, you can't tell me certain teams. Would, can't, I mean, he gives you innings. Like, Ryu went back to uh, Ryu went back to, to KBO, so he's not he's not out there anymore, but. I mean, we just saw Cody Bellinger sign in the last couple of days and had the press conference. Uh, Mike Clevenger is still out there. He has a lot of off-the-field stuff. Yeah, he's a he's a tough sign. Uh, Adam Duvall still available. Um, look at this article. Brandon Woodruff went back to the Brewers, and Liam's now a Red Sox. Well, Brandon Woodruff's hurt. Hurt, so he's not coming. He's out of, of most of the year. And what's what's Liam's deal? Uh, didn't he have Tommy John or something? So he's out for, I thought, majority of the year. And then uh, some of the other position players, Brandon Belt's still out there. The captain? Yeah. Um, Belty, Tommy Pham still available. Is, is, is Belt gonna go to? Is Belt gonna go to uh, replace Paul Goldschmidt to <laughs> to be with with with, with B Craw? Uh, on my way over here, because um, uh, on Sirius it was, uh, it was Morneau and Jensen Lewis this morning. But I listened to KMBR for a minute, and their morning show was talking about how the I guess Madison Bumgarner's camp, kind of like what Pablo did, where they Pablo's camp sent the no! videos. They reached out the <laughs> Giants. Hold on. <laughs> The Giants politely declined on Mad Bum. Isn't that amazing? The Arizona Diamondbacks signed this guy to be the leader. And they finally said, you know what? If we're going to get better, because we always heard, well, you know, Madison Bumgarner, three-time World Series champion, all this kind of stuff. And what we found out was Dan Heron was the pitching coordinator. What was his role? Pitching strategist or something, something like, like that. Something like that with the Diamondbacks and, and Bumgarner constantly just big-leagued them. Um they finally said, Bumgarner, we're just going to pay you. He's still their highest paid player, right? Yes, I think so. And they basically said, beat it. Yeah. And no one has signed him. No one wants any piece of him. You want to talk about a fall from grace? Unbelievable. We got to get out of here? Yeah, we've got A's baseball next. All right, we got the A's and the Friars from Ho-Ho Camp tomorrow. It's Know Your Royals. One of the more fascinating teams this offseason. They spent money. They made a ton of moves. The Central's wide open. What, are you going you gonna to try and go with your guy, A.J. Hench, and the Tigers? No, not at you all. You believe in the Twins? Yes. I think they're the team still. What about the Royals? They'll be better. They'll be more improved. I don't think they'll win the division, but they'll be more improved. All right, we'll talk a little A's baseball, A's and Royals, but up next, it's the Athletics and the Padres right here on A's Cast. We'll see everybody tomorrow for a little Cactus League action, A's Cast Live style. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.